I like it spooky. Hey everybody, welcome to the I Like It Spooky Horror Podcast. I'm Brian. I'm Jason. I'm Clint. And here in a little bit, we are going to be joined by our friend Brent Edgett. But before we get to that, let's get to the news. So something I want to talk about here, um, you know, we're right in the Christmas season, the holiday season. This episode, as you guys are listening, comes out on the 11th of December, but on the 9th of December. So this is already out, but I kind of want to talk about it. I'm a big Grinch fan. I love the Jim Carrey Grinch, the old Boris Karloff Grinch, the animated one. But now we're getting a horror version of the Grinch called the mean one. And I love that. It just kind of plays with the, the song, you know, the mean one, and then rolls it into our love of horror. So it's going to be an unofficial take on the Christmas classic, which turns the Grinch into a murderous slasher movie maniac. Atlas Films Distribution, it's going to come out uh, December 9th in U.S. cinemas. If it's going to be a wide release, I can't see that it will be. I don't know. Have you guys heard anything about it? What's your guys' take? I just saw a blurb, and so I never even, I kind of read the headline and I overlooked it because I just thought it was a farce. Um, so I'm actually pretty excited that you just said this and I find out that it's real because I'm surprised that nothing has been done like this before with this. Hell yes, bring it on. And you're saying it's going to get a theatrical release. I mean, that, that's that's even better. You know, hopefully it hits my area. And hopefully we get like a digital release maybe at the same time. So for those who want to choose that don't want to go to the theater and see it. But yeah, I'm definitely interested in seeing this one. What was the title again? Uh, the Mean One. I'm envisioning, especially with a theatrical release, you know, like people taking, oh, look, there's a new Grinch movie. Let's take the kids. And then it's, you know, <laughs> the Grinch beheading people and stuff like that. I wonder how if they're going to take a play on the song. Because I bet they can't play just the actual song unless they get the rights to it. But what if they kind of like chop it up and do their own thing? Like, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Play with that. Maybe give it like a metal edge or something. <laughs> just, I don't know. I'm not big into metal, but I know that would be kind of a fun go with it. Also, we got news. Uh, Second Sight is releasing uh, Martin, George Romero's Martin, the vampire movie on uh, 4K. They've been working on this for a while. I've been keeping up with the news a little bit. They were starting to work on it. They did Dawn of the Dead first, then they were doing uh, Martin. But then they found a longer version of the movie, like extra scenes that were long lost, supposedly. So that kind of delayed everything. It looks like it's going to come out officially February 27th, and pre-orders should be coming. I, I think Second Sight's an overseas place. But 4K is usually, it's region-free anyway, so I'm excited to check this one out. Yeah, I've, uh, Melissa hasn't seen this yet, and I brought it up to her, and so we were trying to find it, and it, it's not streaming anywhere. So, yeah, I'm thankful this is coming out. I haven't seen it in forever, and it's not like you can just go to a video store and rent it anymore because the video stores are all closed. This is a big deal. This is uh, where I... Uh, situation where we've talked about before you know brian being the, the physical media guy physical media plays a big part i want to see this movie and the only way to see it as far as i know is to own it so i'm glad they're they're bringing it back out this is a movie that's been on my list for four years i cannot find to stream maybe you can if you find like a bootleg online somewhere but even then some of the other stuff i've wanted to watch i've been able to find online 
this is not something I can find. And it's been talked up quite a bit by some friends. Uh, we have a friend, um, Insane Mike, from the podcast network, and he loves everything George Romero. And he talks this movie up like crazy. So I'm like, I want to see this damn movie. <laughs> Insane Mike is a smart man. And also looking at Second Sight's Facebook page, they've also got news on The Hitcher that's coming hopefully early summer. So that's still a ways away of 4K. And a 4K of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is in the works uh, release date uh, announcement soon. I don't know if that one really needs a 4K because that's kind of like that old grainy, you know, type movie anyway. But I'll see what they do to it. Maybe they'll make the colors brighter. Who knows? Yeah, I hope it maintains the the like you say the grittiness of it because that that film in particular the the grittiness of that film and the, the independent cinema feel of that film was, is very much a character of that movie. You know, you clean you clean that up and make it all bright and shiny. I don't know if it's going to be the same flick. And the Grinch, I can throw the Grinch on the murderous Grinch on. I can put it at our house. I'm the horror person, so I have my movies in the bedroom. And Tiffany has a cabinet in the front room that is just full of Christmas movies. So I can just like buy the Grinch and like slide it in there and hope that she pulls it out one day. And I was like, oh, the Grinch, let's watch this. (laughs) I don't know if you're the only horror person in your household because I've seen Finley in a mask running around stabbing you and I've heard her (laughs) swear. So I think she might be more hardcore than you, man. She might be, yeah. Just take the disc out, put it in the Grinch case. And then uh, just yeah. put it in there. Yeah. That's like, you remember that, that story Justin Beam told us when we recorded a Halloween of Palooza where he got the VCR for his parents and the tape was in there. <laughs> oh, the, the porn starts playing. The remote's broken. I don't know what's going on. I guess we just got to watch this terrible, bloody Grinch movie. Well, and I'll have you know, Clint, right after she recorded that video with me, she went to the front room and wrote Santa Claus a letter, and I am not getting anything for Christmas. <laughs> She blamed it on you. I'm probably going to be guilty by association. Yeah, she totally threw me under the bus. And she's told me like four times this week, I wrote Santa a letter. You're not getting anything. It's all your fault. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. So, Brian, what do you got in the news? Anything? So I know I'm probably the only person on this podcast that's interested in this. And maybe even more because I think it's animated. Gamera Rebirth announced for Netflix. Fangoria, our friends at Fangoria, least details. Gamera is coming back to the little screen, big screen, little screen, TV screen. Sounds like it'll be along the lines of uh, the Godzilla Singular Point, which was a Netflix series that was animation was beautiful. The monster design was amazing, uh, really deep because it was written by a scientist. So a lot of the plot of the movie or the show was way deeper than I could even, a lot of it didn't work with my brain. So hopefully the cameras may be a little lighter, dumbed down for me. <laughs> I'm not smart like a, like a scientist. But it says, giant monster fans rejoice after well over a decade away from the screens. Another, none other than Gamera is coming back for another round of kaiju-sized shenanigans. All thanks to the folks at Netflix. Everybody's kinky. I'm not that interested, especially anime and the whole Godzilla. Sorry, I'm not really shitting on it, but yeah, I probably won't check it out. I've seen some cool anime, like the Castlevania series that was out on Netflix. 
Um, I love that. Yeah, it's, when you when you get into the the other, I don't know, the non horror part of anime. That's it's, you know, hey, different strokes for different folks. It's not my bag, but I it's, I have a hard time getting into it. But I love the, uh, and I think it's a different style. But you have like the, um, I always called it like the American anime, like you see in the movie Heavy Metal from the eighties. You know that kind of style of animation. I love that stuff. Well, speaking of animation, and since uh, our friend and guest on the show here in just a little bit, you're going to hear from Brent Edget, uh, does a very killer Art the Clown cosplay, which we talk about a little bit. I have discovered in the news that there is a Terrifier 2 video game, and it is officially on the way. I don't even know what to say about this. I mean, can you imagine being Art the Clown and going around and just ripping people to shreds? And Because he's just a brutal, brutal man. It says here that it's a great suggestion and one that would make for a Manhunt 2 grade gore fest. Do you guys remember the game Manhunt on PlayStation 2? Yep. I don't know. Oh, it was it was the whole reason I bought the PlayStation 2. Um, I saw the commercial and like you, you like sneak around and have to like come up out of the shadows and kill people by putting bags over their head and you know cutting them apart. It's a very adult game. And up to that point, I hadn't played any adult, you know, mature content games. And so I put it in and within like two minutes, the characters in the game are just throwing like slurs at me and swearing at me and telling them how they're going to rip my head off. And I just got this giant smile on my face like this game is awesome, you know. Um, So let's see if we're going to get that from this Terrifier 2. Uh, Terrifier 2 director wants a Friday the 13th style game. Quote, I'd love to have it laid out like Friday the 13th. The game continues, Leon. That would be amazing. We can either be Art the Clown or you could be a victim. I kind of like the idea of this. So with the Friday the 13th game, when Jason was around, there was that terror level with the counselors. Because, of course, they know this guy's going to fucking kill him. But with Art the Clown, if they can bring some of his mannerisms in it where he's just like a funny, creepy looking clown, it could just change the level of the game. Like they could just he could show up and like the counselors won't be scared of him or like the fear level won't be there. I wonder how that would work, though, if they just switch it then. Where all of a sudden he goes from the funny, playful to like cutting people up. I, I'm excited. I would definitely check this out. No, I, I definitely think that there's other layers that could be added to a Friday the 13th game style game with Art the Clown, like you're saying, Jason. There's it's, there's a lot more complexities. I, I'm, I'm excited. There's lots of excitement so far this episode, except for that <laughs> thing that Brian, except for that thing that Brian was talking about. Oh, so I'm just kidding. I'm okay. I'm not really kidding. So, um. In other news, speaking about excitement, and because it's the holidays, uh, as of this recording, this is already out, so you can go check it out. But uh, as reported by BloodyDisgusting.com, Bruce Campbell has brought his charms to the Hallmark Channel with My Southern Family Christmas. And it premiered Thursday, November 24th on the Hallmark Channel. I have not seen it yet. I'm not a Hallmark movie fan, uh, but it's Bruce Campbell. And, you know, I've seen Bruce Campbell. We've all seen Bruce Campbell in roles that aren't horror movies. Never anything as far detached as a Hallmark movie, but Bruce brings his own energy to whatever he does. So I'm going to check it out just to see if Bruce is Bruce on the Hallmark channel. Brian's probably already watched this a few times, but I don't know. We have not made it to that one yet. I knew of it because... We watch Hallmark here a lot. Tiffany loves Christmas. Finley loves Christmas. And there was like a big build up all week up to it. It was like two days and three minutes and 14 seconds until My Southern Christmas with Bruce Campbell. It looks interesting. I mean, a Christmas story set in Louisiana with Bruce Campbell. I'm maybe an outlier where I like 
some of Bruce's other stuff that's not horror more than his horror stuff. Like, I loved him in Burn Notice, one of my shows that I try to get Tiffany to go back and let's watch Burn Notice. And she's like, oh, ever? I already watched that last year all the way through. I'm like, well, it's a new year. Let's do it again. I just loved him in Burn Notice. What about Melissa? Has she heard about this? I know her love for Bruce Campbell. We, we haven't talked about it. Uh, her and I both just kind of separately in our own lives, you know, outside of a couple have been really busy lately. Uh, so we just haven't had a lot of time to, to chat about normal stuff like this like we would. So I don't know. And I, I knew this was coming out, but I kind of forgot about it. So actually, when we're done recording, I'm going to go up and say, hey, do you want to watch the Bruce Campbell Hallmark movie? No, Brian, you're right. Burn Notice is a great example. Um, you know, whenever Bruce was on that show, you know, whenever he had a scene, I mean, he stole stole the show. Bruce was Bruce, and no matter what he does, he has his own unique energy and style that he brings to acting. So I'll, I'll check it out. It's the holidays. Why the hell not? I could always get a Hallmark Family Christmas poster and take it to a convention and have him <laughs> sign it for Tiffany. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Here you go. You got to wonder if he'd look at the poster, look at you, and just go, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> One question I have about this, though, and I, I doubt it because I, I don't think I've never gotten the I don't know his personal finances. It's none of my business, but I don't think Bruce is hurting for money. But you got to wonder. I know he's wanted to segue away from the, the physical acting that he's known for playing Ash in the Evil Dead series. But you got to wonder, going so far as a Hallmark movie, like, was this a cash grab? You know, or did he owe someone a favor? I don't know. I think there was some snippets and stuff leading up to the sh show coming out. And I really think he found the story somehow. It was set in Louisiana. It's filmed in Louisiana. He just kind of fell in love with the story and the setting, being in Louisiana, and wanted to do it. I, I guess that's a better reason than a cash grab. But, I mean, I'm all up for a cash grab because, as usual, we spend a lot of money we shouldn't. And so I'm down for a cash grab. Jason, what's going on with our money? It's Christmas season again, so we're all kind of poor from that, but we all have some new pickups. Well, hopefully we all do. I know I do. I didn't have many last time, but few I'm going to talk about this time. I don't know if anybody knows it, but I'm a big Halloween fan. Any of the Halloweens. So I've been trying to get autographs of some of the people I don't see come to conventions too often, and I've been on eBay trying to pick a few up, and these aren't authenticated, but I'm kind of hoping for who they are. Is They're not major people, so I don't think people are... You know, faking these too much here. Bootleg autographs. Probably, but, you know, they were cheap, so we'll see. I got uh, Cliff Image, who is the security guard on Halloween 2. Uh, he had a cool scene that my daughter hates, him getting killed with the hammer. <laughs> and then also Halloween 2, for you guys to see, I got uh, Bud, Leo Rossi right there. Got a signature of him. I was hoping to meet them at some point. Jimmy and Bud, the paramedics from Halloween 2, Lance Guest and Leo Rossi. I, I haven't been to a convention where they've been at or I haven't heard of one anywhere around here. I'm really hoping for like a 45th anniversary Halloween one, maybe in Pasadena. And I will save my pennies and go to that. And I will have a huge list after that. I remember Leo Rossi was at a convention sometime earlier this year. Because I remember I showed, I was like, oh, look, Leo Rossi, Jason's going to be at. But I forget what it was. I remember it was far away where it wasn't like, you know, we were going to even try to plan on going. But So they do hit the circuit. A uh, couple more little pickups I got here. 
I did buy Walmart was having Black Friday sales. We're about that time now. So uh, they had some records on sale. Nothing horror related, but I will mention them because, I mean, people might like <laughs> some of this stuff. I got Alanis Morissette, Jagged Little Pill. I freaking love that album. I don't care. I'm serious. I love that album. So we watched uh, the Alanis Morissette documentary about making this album here a few weeks ago. And I'm like, man, I need to get this album. Like it was writing when we were growing up. Uh, Guns N' Roses Greatest Hits, Prince 1999, Elton John Diamonds, and Beyonce Renaissance. I don't know why I bought that, but it was like all the vinyl at Walmart was 15 bucks. So I was like, oh, what the hell? I'll pick it up and probably won't listen to it. You don't have to play it down, man. If you're a Beyonce fan, that's cool. I mean, I'm not, but if you are, hey, it's all right. Let us know. Be proud. A couple more little things. I uh, did pick up some movies I know Brian mentioned the Howling last time, and last time I said I didn't have I didn't have any pickups, and that was when I totally forgot about. I picked up the Howling also on 4K because I had some rewards points from Best Buy, and I think I got it for like seven bucks. So I was like, oh, perfect pickup. Uh, got my copy of Return of the Living Dead on 4K, and then uh, some of the more Black Friday sales. I got Interstellar on 4K. I'm gonna have to rewatch this movie. I remember watching it once, and I thought it was pretty good. But now I want to watch it in 4K. They said the the sound's amazing. And then I also got the newer releases of Poltergeist and the Lost Boys on 4K. So I know I'm sounding kind of like a 4K snob here. but Well, no, I was just thinking that it sounds to me like talking about cash grabs, that physical media grabbed your damn cash this time. <laughs> big time, big time. One last thing, and I want to thank Clint for this. Uh, he sent me a $10 off coupon for uh, Fright Rags one time because he had ordered those Halloween 3 masks. And then they had a clearance on some shirts. I ended up picking up the Buffalo Bill shirt where it's just like him kind of sitting there crossing his arms on his chest without his shirt on. It's kind of hard to see. I want to see. You can kind of see that. It was on sale for 12 bucks plus shipping. And with the discount, I think I got it for seven or eight bucks delivered. And that's one shirt that I've wanted for a long time. You know, that's pretty cool. Your, your friend who owns a t-shirt company gave you a coupon. So you used it to go buy t-shirts someplace else. I get it. <laughs> I know every time I talk about fright rags or buy fright rags, I'm like shit. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm I'm just busting your balls. Uh fright fright rags, tear threads, gutter garbs, atomic cotton. They all do fantastic work. And ink mirrors. Fantastic work. Yeah, I I, I I think I'd do some decent stuff, you know what I mean? But they uh they're they're a step above me in my opinion. So yeah, no, please be fans of them by away. I'm just busting your balls. <laughs> uh yeah, that's my last pickup. What about you guys? You guys get anything sweet? I don't know. I talked to Brian. I was going to say, Brian got nothing. It sounded like his this part of the sh show is going to be quick. So. <laughs> no, I did pick up a few things. I uh, end up at Menards like once a week, it seems like, to buy dog food or something for the house. And they have a four ninety nine bin. So anytime I'm there, I go through it. And I picked up Happy Birthday to me just because I own it. But it's also like a good birthday gift. And it comes in this cool like VHS cover. I was about to say the slip cover got him. Well, that and I know it. I know it's a good birthday gift. Sorry to cut you off because you bought it at Menards in the four ninety nine bin and gave it to me. So that's cool, man. I got friends that use coupons to buy shirts from other companies. Friends that just <laughs> buy mass movies from the cheap bin and go here. I'm going to give this to someone else too. You guys are awesome, man. And I also picked up out of the bin Bone Tomahawk because for five bucks, it's just too good of a movie to pass up. And I'll gift it to somebody that's not seen it. Then when they message me and say that was the grossest movie I've seen, I was waiting for a Western, not for people to be cut in half by cannibals. I'm like, well, <laughs> did you enjoy it though? And then uh, 
Black Friday, I was out at Walmart. I bought some records. I bought John Elton John Diamonds too, and then I bought Finley uh, the soundtrack to Moana, and I bought Tiffany the Trans Siberian Orchestra. Uh, they were fifteen bucks, um, but I did grab myself some movies. So I picked up everything, everywhere, all at once on four K for ten bucks with the slipcover. You saw that in the theater with Jack this year, didn't you? Yeah, he probably best movie of the year. I mean, we both enjoyed it. I'm not really horror. Bullshit. Horseshit. Yeah, not really horror, but uh, science fiction. And then uh, I picked up The Northman on Blu-ray. I think it was like seven bucks. This one was fun. Not really horror again, but science fiction, fantasy, maybe. I don't know. So I watched that. Uh, Brian gave me the code for his movie, so I was able to watch it on digital and it was weird. It's A24. When that started on the screen, I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, great. It was all right. It was, I don't know if it's the best movie. Maybe I don't understand good movies. I mean, I love Halloween ends, so <laughs> it's my validations out the window there. But I like the story of it, and it was just, it was weird to keep up with. And It's got Jamie Lee Curtis in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Visually, it was cool. So, have you seen it, Clint? No, I haven't. I haven't. But I, I can imagine that a movie called Everything All at Once is hard to keep up with. You didn't enjoy the hot dog fingers, Jason? Oh, that was funny. That was, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's different. What about you, Clint? Did you buy anything? Just a couple things, man. Everything's really been slowing down. There hasn't been a lot of cool new stuff coming out that's been on my radar anyway and there's still a lot of already released stuff that i'd like to pick up as far as action figures and some collectibles but it's stuff that's always going to be there and you know christmas is upon us so i'm trying to guide my money towards that you know saving and doing some stuff i got a big convention year coming up 2023 this i'd already paid for but i got earlier this week from shout factory my chucky my burnt chucky child's play action figure it was uh released or uh, you could pre-order it earlier this year i think it was like late spring early summer and it finally showed up it happened so quick it was a sunday i remember i got up and, and jason had sent a link i think jason i can't remember which one of you guys sent me the link but i I immediately just bought it. Didn't even really look at it. Other than the picture was cool. It's a very detailed Chucky. But what I didn't realize was it's only a five inch figure. And I've seen people on social media talk a lot about this too. They must not have realized either. But everybody's like, oh, I expected it to be bigger. I expected it to be bigger. It's cool. The display box that it's in is cool. Unfortunately, though, the, the window, since it's so small and then the window's not really elongated, so it's a, you can't see him that well unless you pull him out of the box. And let's face it, hashtag save the box. I'm not fucking doing that. Still a cool piece, though. Uh, glad it showed up. And then other than that, uh, issue three of uh, the Creepshow comics that have been coming out came out uh, the day before Thanksgiving on Wednesday. Ran down to my local comic shop, Nostalgia Inc. in Jackson, Michigan, and picked up uh, that. And they had a couple variant covers for that, all first uh, first printings. So I snagged those up as well. Haven't read them yet. Haven't read any of them yet. I will eventually. Yeah, well, you got to open them to read them. Well, no, you know, I, I buy two. There you go. All right, there you go. <laughs> and then so I buy two, and then I, I immediately hand one copy to Boots, and I say, when you're done reading this, you know, give it back, and I'll read it. And she's read the first the first issue. I don't think she read the second or the third one yet. So is that kind of like the poster that Jason got? Or the poster that you were selling on eBay, and the guy was like, "Is this used?" Oh my god, I know. Yeah. <laughs> so if the comic is not opened and read, it's not used. It's new. But if you open the page and read it, it's a used comic. It's not sealed in plastic, right? I mean, it, no, it's bagged and boarded. Oh, okay. 
But I mean, it's not like it's a sealed bag. So if I was careful, yeah, no, no one's going to know if you've ever opened the pages or not. I think, and, and I'm not huge into the comic book world. I do have quite a few comics, all horror related. There's major collectors out there. And I, I don't think it's so much if they've been opened or read or used. I think it's just, they can be graded. So they, they could look through it with white gloves and see that you were eating Cheetos and there's a fingerprint smudge on one of the pages or something, you know, so. <laughs> that was one of the things that escapes me is you grade a comic and you slab it. And I'm like, you can't look at it anymore. I mean, I get it kind of, I guess, as a collector, but don't you want to read it? That's why you buy two, my friend. Then again, I have like 400 movies over here that are still sealed. Right. And you, you have multiple copies of Happy Birthday to Me. Yeah. And Bone Tomahawk. One thing I did forget to talk about, I haven't gotten it yet. But I did tear, join the Terror Vision Blu-ray Club, and I'm excited about that. Um, sounds like their first one, Santa Claus, will be out before Christmas, hopefully. Um, and I'm kind of a completist with some things. So I went back, and I sent Terror Vision a message, and I was like, I want to pick up everything to this point. I already have the WNUF special with the slip, so I want to pick up everything that you've released already with the slip. And they had everything except for one thing. So I'm going to have to find that on eBay and then I will have their complete collection of Blu-rays that they've released. I think I'm going to have to break down and start doing some sort of subscriptions like this because like like some of the movies that Jason was talking about during the news about, you know, being released on physical media like Martin for example or like Terrorvision releasing um Attack of the Killer Refrigerator, you know, and there were some other ones that aren't coming to mind right now that I was like, "Oh my god, I need to see that movie. I need to have that movie." You can't find them anywhere anymore uh, unless like you say it's a, it's a crappy bootleg copy on YouTube. And I don't think you're going to find Attack of the Killer Refrigerator or Martin Lea, uh, Linnea Quigley's workout video in the $4.99 <laughs> bin at Menards, you know. So, yeah, I might have to uh, break down and start getting some of these because I want to see them. When I think you were excited about video violence. Yes, that video violence and video violence, too. That's uh, Was that through TerraVision or was that Shout Factory? No, that's TerraVision. I saw Justin Beam say he did some of the behind-the-scenes stuff with that. Yeah, he worked on that one, and then uh, Norway, a vampire movie, I believe, that I've heard is really good, so I'm excited for that one, too. You know something else I'm excited for? What's that, Clint? To hear from a sponsor. Why would you like to hear from a sponsor, Clint? Because we just talked about all the money that we're spending and are getting ready to spend. You're right, Clint. We should probably hear from a sponsor. Maybe we can get some money pumped into the show, and you could buy some more stuff. That's a damn good idea, Clint. Let's take it to a sponsor. Nothing is scarier than Christmas music because, well, that means Halloween is over. Except for maybe how the holidays can empty out your wallet. You're scared, ain't you? You should be. Inkmirrors.com is here to help you avoid the poorhouse with its Tis the Fucking Season sale. Not all, but most items are marked down throughout the holiday season and shipping is always free. So don't wind up in need of financial counseling like the Spooky Boys with their collecting habits. Head over to inkmares.com for those perfect, affordable gifts and stocking stuffers for the weirdo in your family that no one ever really knows what to get. Inkmares.com. That's I-N-K-M-A-R-E-S.com. Oh, one more thing. Don't forget on Christmas Eve to leave out money, whiskey, and horror action figures for Santa Cletus. Trust me. You see Santa Claus tonight? You better run, boy. You better run for your life. All right, so now that we've heard from our sponsor, 
let's get into our discussion about fan films and cosplay and just fans in general. He's the man behind the mask, and he's out of control. He's back, the man behind the mask, and he crawled out of his home. So we are now joined by the talented, attractive, kind soul with just enough edge that makes you wonder if he's a serial killer or not. Uh, we are here with Mr. Brent Edgett. Now, uh, Brent, through the I Like It, throughout the I Like It Spooky Horror podcast, Friday the 13th always seems to come up, whether it be, you know, films we have covered or the lawsuit news in the media, uh, new project release dates, and of course, all the, all the fan films, which you have been a, a major role in over the past couple years of a lot of them. Uh, so yeah, we got you on to talk about fan films, you, your cosplay, uh, networking, all that stuff. So how the hell are you? Doing pretty good, man. How are you doing today? Uh, you know, fantastic. Cold in my bunker. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, Brian, it's Jason, weird. good to see you guys again. Yeah, same, same. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, good to see you. Absolutely. So with the fan films, that, that's kind of how all of us met. We met basically through the Valentine Bluffs fan film right. uh, a couple of years ago at Midwest Monster Fest. I, I put out a, a call saying, hey, I'm going to be six hours away from my house. You know, I don't know anybody. Is anybody going to be there? And Brian answered and Brent, you answered too. And now we got to know each other. It's fan, fan films are great for, for networking and, and creating friendships. Well, absolutely. That has been a really innovative and really cool thing happening. But I think horror conventions really have good credit to give to all that too, because even all these projects that I end up working with people on that I've met them through horror conventions at some point or other. But uh, the fan film has definitely drawn a lot more people together because a lot more people can be involved with these bigger projects. And you just see a lot of names like, you know, you can look at the credits and all these movies and see all the names and just see how many people are involved. And it, you know, it gives you something to talk about when you meet somebody. So yeah, it's very, uh, meet a lot of friends through this. That's for sure. Is is that kind of what got you kicked into the, because again, you've been in several of these Friday the 13th fan films. Did it all start with you being Darcy DeMoss's handler at Midwest no. Monster Fest? No, that was like one of the last things that happened, honestly. Jeez, it, it was uh, going to horror conventions in Chicago for just cosplay and just meeting people, just being a, you know, just a horror nerd and going and checking it out. And, you know, just meeting the right kind of people. I just happened to meet the uh, people who were involved with the fall of Camp Blood. There was no plan to get into this or anything. It was just like I met these guys in my costume and they were looking for a part to fill. And I, of course, just said, yes, you know, there wasn't even any hesitation on my part. It's like, well, yeah, I'd love to have been a part of a huge fan of Friday the 13th for, you know, so many years, you know, well over a decade of my life, like as a really hardcore fan. But I grew up watching these movies, so. I definitely have a love for them. Yeah, it was just it was just really luck, just meeting the right kind of people and falling in, you know, all the pieces falling into position to where I just slid my way right in and uh, ended up meeting Peter Anthony with the fall of Camp Blood. And things just really took off. So yeah, what I was your costume uh, for when you met the guys for that movie? Yeah, it was 2009, Jason. And I had it to where I was able to go from Sackhead to hockey, hockey mask. I had a really awesome mask by uh, Marcio Charlie, who does, you know, all the masks, all the effects for all these movies, pretty much amazing Brazilian artist. And that's kind of what got me in talking to the Follow Camp Blood guys, because I was talking to them in costume as Jason. And I'm just like, oh, I know this mask. It's made by Marcio Charlie. You know, he, he actually made this mask that I'm wearing right now. And 
you know, they fit me comfortably. I just happen to tell them it's like, whatever he does, it just like fits me like perfectly. And then that's what stood out to them. They're like, well, we remember that you said, you, could, you know, you, you're comfortable wearing Marcio's mask that you have a few of them and you just look good as a Jason character, like your size and everything. So they just gave me a call and took a chance on it. And they had no idea that, you know, I'd uh, spent years costume making or working in the haunted house industry, you know, trying to own my skills. So you talked about your haunted house experience and I, that's, I'm assuming that's kind of where all this really initially stems from, right? You started as a haunter and, and doing makeup and then segue yeah. into cosplay. Yeah. Which in turn stemmed from horror movies and cosplay, you know, because I, I did before I even got into the haunted house industry, I loved going, you know, going all out on Halloween and, you know, I took my daughter trick or treating all the time and just got the opportunity to dress up through work opportunities. My weekends finally opened up to where I could start working the haunt, you know, Friday and Saturday nights on a haunt rather than working. And then it just opened a doorway of like, I didn't realize I love this so much. So I took it upon myself, not just to haunt, but to actually, you know, start doing makeup and help other haunters get ready. And, you know, I acted as well as did the makeup and it just became like this whole thing, you know, and I've been doing it for, I think, nine years now. And it's, it's definitely the thing I love most, just that kind of work. And that really rolled over into the movie making world, like all that skill just kind of set decoration was basically creating a set you know at haunt you know creating characters creating a look anyway the fun thing about fan films was just the makeup effects and the gags you know because i could i can know how to apply prosthetics and make everything look cool and this and that but to try to make something work on film that was the big challenge of this whole thing yeah otherwise it all branched from haunted housework and scary movies and just trying to make things terrifying as possible which is why uh, my cosplay kept just get, in turn getting better and better. You know, I wasn't just cosplaying just for fun. I wanted to also bring a realistic element to when I was spooking people out there. You know, I just wanted to make costumes look as realistic and just kind of took it upon myself to learn how to do these things, make masks, make accessories, do costuming, all that stuff. And I come from a haunt background too, so I get you. And yeah, it is, it's two completely different worlds um, as far as making things, you know, camera ready or making things haunt ready. Because haunt, haunt, it's easier to kind of fly by the seat of your pants, um, you know, and, and pull some stuff off in, in the dark. Uh, but it's it's a blast. I, I actually really miss it. Uh, but yeah, I, I could see where that would lend into taking those, those skills and stepping out and doing your cosplay. And then you brought up Fall of Camp Blood. That, to me, was the best part of the movie. And I'm not just saying that because you're, you're on the show right now, but seriously, you as Jason was the best part of that movie for me which i know it, it could be different for other people but absolutely nailed the portrayal of jason well done thank you man yeah i had many years of just kind of practicing on my own and just being a fan a true fan you know not just someone who just watches something and really likes it you know i'm, I'm a nerd in the sense of uh really paying attention and getting down to the nitty-gritty details of everything i could really mm -hmm. lock something down and portray it so that's why I've been successful at like playing these characters or playing, you know, other cosplay characters that I've done for you guys. It's just, I'm just, I'm just a nerd who just pays attention to hardcore. The Fall of Camp Blood guys, they had no idea about any of this when they hired me on. So, you know, I would, I would slowly start to make suggestions here and there. You know, the first night of filming was like the end of the movie. And it was really just like, I'm happy to be here and I'm just going to keep quiet. I don't know how much of this I'm actually going to do. They just said originally to, they just wanted the end of the movie filmed. And then after I did it, they're like, well, we have a whole opening segment and we'd love you to come back. And then I was also saying, well, I know how to do makeup effects. I noticed that like, you know, we don't have a makeup effects team is an extremely 
well put together skeleton crew. Honestly, there was six people tops, you know, when I was around as part of the crew, I was, I offered, I was like, Hey, I know a little bit about this stuff. You know, let me see what I could do. Obviously it was no, what I know now is that I don't know Jack about like filmmaking effects, but it was something I at least wanted to try that little boost of that movie kind of gave me that opportunity. And then with Peter Anthony being on board and he knew how much, you know, I was putting into the effects and the character and just, you know, how I made it look. He wanted to bring me on to future projects that he was doing. Again, just pure luck. I just happened to be going down the right path at the right time with the right set of skills. And it just kept going and going. So the the future projects you're talking about that Peter Anthony wanted to bring you along was one of those Roseblood because you, you had a, a huge part in Roseblood. Yeah. I mean, because Peter Anthony and I worked so close together, he called me up one day. He's like, hey, I got a role of a lifetime for you. You know, I, I think it'll... I think you'll really love it. I was like, oh, okay, you know, right on. He told me pretty early that he wanted me to play Michael Myers in the movie. And of course, I just said yes, because I'm just like, dude, really? You're really going to do this? Because there was like kind of talk between us and the Slashing Cast guys. But then it was like, all of a sudden it's happening. And yes, I want to do this. And, and then I got to, you know, I flew myself out to Seattle. Got to hang out on a bit more professional set, definitely. There was, a, you know, there's a great camera coup and just everything's well set up and just much more heads involved with Roseblood. So I got a little bit of a good experience with that. But Peter Anthony also brought me in to do some effects on that movie because he knew that we did effects and he was, you know, he hired the Amos effects team, which is a great group of effects artists. But he also wanted to throw a little work my way as well, which I can't thank him enough for, so... One of the kills on Roseblood, me and my friend, we were responsible for the whole prosthetic of the neck rip and all that. You know, we have, you know, I was officially getting my foot in the door at that point and getting to meet really awesome people. Like I got to meet Terry Kaiser and Lark Park Lincoln, work basically right beside them, something I just never thought would happen. It's just wild. I was uh, getting costumes ready and they were doing their dialogue, scripting, talking back and forth, trying to figure out their flow. And that was absolute insanity. Then actually just seeing it, you know, the final product, everyone's seen it. I was like in the room with them while they were practicing. No one else was really allowed in there except for makeup artists, me and those two. So I got to hear how they were working and bringing it up. And I was just like geeking out. I'm like trying to work, you know, getting costumes ready while at the same time, just like, oh my God, I just want to watch these two do their thing. You know, I've been a fan for such a long time. And then not only were you... Uh, a, a creature character actor in in both of those films, Fall of Camp Blood and Roseblood, but you actually had you were we, we got to see your real face. You were you had an acting role as a human, as a scientist, I believe, right in Roseblood with yeah, one of the coolest so with one of the technician. coolest kills. So yeah, that's all interesting too. Um, you know, Peter Anthony was getting the movie together, and I wanted to back it because these fan films are all about you know people backing and funding for it. And I'm not necessarily made of money, but it was. Uh, it's just a small thing. I think I backed it to say, I want to put my name in it somewhere, like have one of the characters as my name. Cause I thought it'd be funny to have my name in there as well as, you know, be Michael Myers in the movie. But then uh, he's like, well, I'm just going to put you in as yourself as a lab tech rather than naming a lab tech you, I'm just going to make it you. I'm like, Oh, okay. So I was like nervous, you know, I was like, okay, I got to not do a mask and actually do like a person acting, which uh, wasn't too difficult. I didn't have many lines. And yeah, that death of mine, that was my first night. I showed up in Seattle, said hi to everyone. And they're like, oh, we have everyone we need here. We're going to do your kill right away. You know, because Amos was there. Jason Brooks was there and everyone was there, including me. And they had the room built. 
And yeah, they set it up and we had talked about that for months and months before it happened. So I had plenty of time to prep on how we wanted to do it. It was my first introduction. Jason Brooks was he, uh, he got in Jason costume and then reached through a wall and pulled me right on through. And that was a lot of fun. Yeah, you show up and all of a sudden the room looks at you and says, ah, the sacrifice is here. Prepare the sacrifice. Exactly. Yep. Yep. And then everything. Yep. It was like the first kill that we filmed to the movie and everything. So it was pretty neat. So moving on from Roseblood, you, um, the latest Friday the 13th fan film to come out was uh, Vengeance Bloodlines 2. Now, I don't think you had any, you weren't on camera at all. You were just more the crew behind this, correct? Well, I worked with Jason Brooks on Roseblood and we had we had good chemistry together. When Amos had to take off on the last day, Brooks gave me a really good rundown on how the gags are going to work and, you know, basically left the rest of my skill to it. He's like, well, you were hired on as a makeup artist. Here's how we're going to do this. Now I got to go. And he went and got in costume. And that whole end sequence of Roseblood, that was like a whole day of filming. And that was the day where I had to basically run the makeup effects, you know, for everybody. And so that was my big initiation into that. And it was really, you know, it was a long day. I think that was a 20 or 22 hour day of filming, which sure we were tired. But the thing about getting the right kind of people on these fan films is that we just loved it so much that it didn't bother us to keep on doing it. You know, we could work for, I think our shortest day was probably 14 hours, but it was like 16 to 18 hour days. And we were just like more and more, let's do it. Let's do it. You know, ideas rolling out. But Jason Brooks, he he knew how I worked. He he offered everyone who worked on Roseblood a spot back on Vengeance too. So when that came up, he called me and he's like, "Hey, did you want to come back and work?" I was like, "I'd absolutely love to." And you know, I wasn't trying to I wasn't trying to ask for any money because I knew it was you know crown funded again. I flew out there again on my own will, and they'd worked with me before, so they allowed me a place to stay out there where I got to work on like where I had the coolest week and a half of my life working on Vengeance too. I worked heavily on the time when all of the uh, celebrity actors were there. Tamara Glenn, Ruby Graham, CJ Graham, Darcy DeMoss, of course. And then obviously Tom Matthews for the big reveal, which was an awesome secret to keep for the longest time. And Jason Brooks asked me to be Darcy's personal makeup artist because we had to put some slight scar makeup on her because she had to reprise her role as Nikki from part six. You know, some plumping up way of this character being back to life. I didn't care because I was just like, I get to work with like more alumni and this is great. Right. So I, yeah, I was applying facial scar prosthetics to Darcy's face and we became really good friends at that point. And that's like, and that was Midwest Monster Fest after that is because we had known each other. And I basically had worked with all the actors who were at that convention, which was funny. But no, Vengeance 2 was even more amazing. I got to work with so many makeup artists. There was easily as many makeup artists as there was rest of the crew on that movie. And if you see the movie, you'd know that it was a necessity because there's the effects on this movie are just wild. Yeah. And so that was, that was just great. I feel like the buildup from fall of camp blood and Rose blood was building up to the vengeance to like the work shows for itself. But like we had such a fun time and it ended up being such a great movie. And I don't know. I, and what I did on that, gosh, I set decorated, I'd made costumes and I did a little bit of effects work, but there was a whole group of people in front of me who I was just letting them do the gag gags, but I was always right there helping with stuff. Clint and I talked last night about Vengeance too, and I would put that up there with best Jason kills 
in any Friday the 13th movie. Studio yeah. or crowdfunded. I mean, the kills are awesome. The special effects are great. When they when Jason pulls that lady's back off, you're just like, oh my lord. Like, this is crazy. Yeah, it was crazy on set because I didn't read the script. I just knew that I wanted to work on it. And since I wasn't in it, I was like, I'm not going to read the script. I'm just going to work. And I know the camera crew, so we'll do it. So as it's unfolding, I'm like, wow, this is cool. Whoa, that's a crazy kill. You know, whoa, this is nuts. And then obviously when Tom Matthews showed up, I'm just like, holy crap, what, what's going on? You know, it was, it was just all great. But they had a sack mask all set up found. But by the time we got to that day of Sackhead Jason, they couldn't find the Sackhead mask. So they had a brand new one from, from somebody. I forget who it was, but I had to weather it. I had to make it look like 30 years old in just a matter of time. So it was just like a nice little weathering skill. And uh I'm happy to say that the sackhead Jason and Vengeance 2 is my sackhead, you know, that he gets to wear. And I got to put it on Jason and make made sure he looked good and everything before going on. And you, you saw that if, if you watch the end of the movie when the credits are rolling. And in fact, I, I saw that you putting that on and there was a yeah. lot of cool shots. You could tell everybody was having an absolute blast involved in that film, making it just yeah, with the, the, the video going. We wanted to be there. Like everybody wanted to be there. Darcy was even crying when she left because she just, you know, she was having such a fun time with the crew and just everything. Cause we were, it was, it was a very hot time for Seattle. You know, that year it was 90 degrees and higher and the sun was just beaten down. It was hot, man. And, and so the nights were just glorious. You know, we would all just be in shirt and t-shirts and just out there all night working after we'd been working all day. And we just had fun. You know, I didn't, I didn't have to get paid to be out there because it was just like, dude, yes, like, let me work on this. And I knew it was going to be, you know, Jason Brooks directing rather than the previous director of Vengeance. And like I said, I knew the camera crew. I just knew a little more people. So I was like, you know, and they wanted me in, in on it. So we're like, you know, we could make this something really special and we can cover all the bases with all of us being there working on it. You know, it ended up being that to where like it's winning all these awards. And it's just like, that's awesome because it was just a, Right people, right place, just right everything, man. It was, it was just good. Yeah, the opportunities that can come from that, I'm sure, are more than payment enough. So, Brent, you've talked a lot about uh, cosplay. Obviously, you're uh, a cosplayer, a pro cosplayer, and that's what's brought you to the dancer, you know, on a lot of these projects. I want to get into, we want to get into your cosplay a little bit because you do a killer Art the Clown. I had never seen terrifier before for whatever reason i had stayed away from it then i see you at flashback as art the clown and then after that i see commercials for terrifier 2 and then i finally sat down and watched both movies you embodied that character so well that it was really hard for me to not say there's brent edget up on the screen as art the clown it, when when I first saw Terrifier many years ago, and you know I saw the All Hallows Eve and then Terrifier, so I got introduced to Art the Clown the right way. Especially after the Terrifier movie, I was like, you know, this is a character I'd love. You know, I just fell in love with them. And then people I'd show the movie to, locals, they would just like fall in love with this character. And you know, it's just like that's just weird. No, and you know we're all horror and slasher movie fans here, so as we watch it, we get it. So then we love art. But it was just something I said. I've got to do this character, you know, out of everything involved, I've just, I've got to step out of my comfort zone, you know, which has been completely closed off faces, Michael Myers, Jason, you know, I did Jason for years. It wasn't even like, I'm not a cosplayer just to like, see how many cosplays I do. I'm really just a horror fan wanting to pull these characters off in a realistic manner, you know? So that's, that's what I'm going for. So I knew to do art, it was going to be tricky because he's a very animated kind of character. 
you know, you got to be able to pull some of that off. Otherwise it's not even worth it. Yeah. The, the first time I brought it out in public was flashback weekend when you guys saw it, that was still a, a rough approach. As I look back on it, I'm like, man, that wasn't even good. <laughs> like I, I, I hadn't quite nailed it down yet because the, the mask is latex that I have. Um, it should be foam latex. I'm still having a hard time trying to get a foam latex piece made because I made it myself. You know, the art mask that I have, I sculpted it myself. I created it. I watched Terrifier more than three dozen times, I'm sure, just like trying to get down all these details of this mask. You know, if you can't really move, though, it's, you know, it's no better than the Tots mask or anything. So I'm trying to nail down trying to get a good latex pull or get a foam latex pull because then you could actually articulate, you know, because you've got to be able to smile as well as do a sad face or unamused face or just anything. The thing I realized that's fun about this character is that you can do so much with him. You just really put it all on the table with just acting out your expressions or just anything that you feel. And just, I guess that's being a clown. Never even been a clown before either. So it's like, there's something different about being a clown where you can just be off the wall and totally not yourself. You know, it's like, you just, you get to be human, but you don't have to be yourself. So that's, that's really fun about being the clown and art, especially. I hope to nail it one day. I hope to really make people happy with like, dude, this is like the epitome of like good for cosplay. I just, I'm all about attention to detail, man. Next time you see me, I'll be covered in blood too. So it won't be as boring. And I'm getting down the application of the mask and everything a little bit better. So it's getting, well, I, getting there. Well, I think the only emotion or, you know, emote that I didn't see from you as Art the Clown is when he gets that really evil, I'm pissed off emote on his face. And it's because I think you were just having so much fun. You couldn't bring yourself not to smile yeah. you know <laughs> i was like i know i'm looking at all my pictures i'm like i didn't even make any other faces because i was just smiling for the camera all these pictures <laughs> and i'm just having a good time exactly i would say that i do it for the gratification of everyone just loving the cosplay but even if i didn't go to those conventions or whatever i would still love doing what i do you know and still try to make it as realistic as i can just mm. just to make me happy honestly it's just it's just a weird quirk of my bring these characters to life just the infatuation of costume wearing or even mannequins seeing people's collections online it's like yeah i would love to have mannequins of these characters but it'd be cool if they're like costumes that i built you know that i put together or whatever which is great because eventually i'll have mannequins of jason and michael myers and i have exact movie worn costumes from fall of camp blood and roseblood and i get to keep those so those are going to be part of my collection of my movie versions of those characters so they're like versions that no one else has and I'm always fine with that. It's like, I, if there's anything, I don't want to be completely screen accurate. I want there to be like, that's different. And that's Brent's different. And that's, you know, that's how we notice it as being such, you know. So talking about Flashback Weekend, uh, you unveiling Art the Clown, that's going to go down as one of my favorite moments ever doing conventions. You creeping up behind my wife, scaring the shit out of her. It was amazing. It was great. Your costume. I mean, for me, it was spot on. I couldn't see any differences. But looking, when you dress up as these people, I know you said you watched the movie about three dozen times to get the mask down. What about his mannerisms? Were you watching that at the same time? Eh, yes, but no. Okay, here's the thing. When I saw him and wanted to cosplay as him, I was just like, this guy just feels like how I am. If you if you ever get to know me, I'm not. I'm not a super chill guy, you know, I'm very animated, I'm very out there. I have a very expressive face. You know, Peter Anthony told me that he just loved my facial expressions during Roseblood. You know, I just have an animated face as well as very good control over my body. So I just knew that 
doing art would be easy for me and unbelievably so I just get into it and I could just act like that I'm I'm a slinky long guy so it, it came naturally you know I mannerisms yeah they were all there he lays it out perfectly but it was to the point when I saw it I understood it and it was like okay I could just work on the look because I already know what he's all about you know what he's acting like and I learned a lot I think he really upped it in Terrifier too. Like, holy cow, that that was an amazing mm-hmm. performance, I thought. You could tell David got to bring a whole lot more to the table, you know, with his ideas, I guess. It's like, you know, Damien probably said, hey, you know, Art's your character now, you do with you do with them as what you will. And so David got to bring all this old school, like Jim Carrey method acting to the table. He's just so much more of an animated character. And the shots that they got in Terrifier 2 are just epically awesome. Like, I, I really, that movie is great. <laughs> I laughed out loud every the whole scene inside of the uh, the Halloween store. And it wasn't even just art with the the sunflower sunglasses. Just everything he did in that scene was fucking hilarious. I yeah. loved it. Everything about what he does, the way he stands there and puts his hands behind his back and shakes his fingers, just like he, he definitely embodies that character like no one else will. And it's definitely something I'll strive for whenever I get into this costume. Because like I said, I can't just, you know, get into it and just stand around, you know, smile as as easy as it is. I want to, you know, I want to be spooky and I want to be able to bring the character for life for people to see. Definitely. So have you been able to dress up with the clown in front of Damon or David like at a convention yet? No, we were supposed to do that Midwest Monster Fest back in September, but that convention got canceled and that was supposed to be the big reveal to them. Oh. It was the reason I was getting the costume ready, honestly. It was, I wanted to do it, but then when I knew they were going to be there, I was like, okay, I have a deadline. Get it done before that. And I had my test run at Flashback Weekend and I was ready. You know, I was ready to go for it. And then they, you know, Terrifier 2 was coming out. It was, it would have been before Terrifier 2 as well, because those guys are probably superstars now. <laughs> There's probably so many people <laughs> want to meet and talk to them. I know it blew up. I got to, uh, I got to dress as art at the haunt season. I was just like kind of walking the grounds doing line entertainment. And that was just so much fun. I'm fairly certain I got a lot of people to go see Terrifier 2 because of that, just because <laughs> no one had even heard of them around here. And then they see me out there. They're like, the hell is this? You know, it's like, oh, it's a movie character. What movie are you from? I just stayed in character. I didn't ever break character. I just messed with those people. I'd open my trash bag and pull out different weapons. And <laughs> just, it was, I tell you what, guys, that was fun. Not just walking around at a convention, but to actually try to be spooky to people. It was it was great. Like I said, I love hot work. It's really the best kind of stuff. And it's therapy, man. Yes. You go out there and you just you terrify people. You let out your demons to just do your best in playing a character. And at the end of the night, you're feeling really good. <laughs> Are you shooting for flashback next year? Yeah, it's a given, especially, yeah, with the Terrifier 2 cast showing up already. It's like, okay, all right, let's try this again. Fingers crossed, but who is it? I told someone, I'm like, yeah, I'm not getting excited because, you know, shit canceled on me before and can't get too excited about stuff. That will be great. And it sounds like another Art the Clown movie. I mean, the director is kind of dropping hints on Twitter that Art will be back. Yep, been seeing that. And I'm excited for I'm here for it, like. The ending didn't shock me to part two, and there's no way that Art has made his run yet. You know, they, they've got to make more. And even better, that Damien still has his hands on it, and he's going to do his best. I, I believe in that guy's work. I mean, he's he's put out two incredibly awesome movies with the help of crowdfunded, you know, just like these fan films. You know, it's just big production has kind of ruined 
you know, movies and everything these days. It's like it's held to a certain standpoint and, you know, you know, the whole spiel. But the fact that he had his own freedom to just do this and he even made the theaters just accept it for what it was. It's like, no, it's not going to be edited by the MPAA. This is what it is. God, it just makes me think on how those old movies would have been had the MPAA not like completely butchered them, how effective they would have been, how much better they could have been, you know, with how, how successful Terrifier 2 is with how gruesome and Terrifier 1 at that matter with how gruesome they are. It's like, man, if, if Friday the 13th, the effects that they had done for them were just able to be shown because they were all there. They were just able to be shown. That would just would have been so cool. Being an effects artist on a movie, though, you got to think, okay, did they cut this because it really was realistic and bloody? Or did they cut this because they just didn't do a good job making it look real? You know, and back then it was all very experimental. So it's like, okay, this affected, because I've seen movies that get away with looking really real. But then with this, it's just like, okay, you, you went over the top. And because you went so cheap, you didn't get the best kind of effects work. So it didn't look realistic. Hard to say what was going on back in the 80s with those movies, but it's turned into something special, especially with this Terrifier franchise and moving past the ratings board and just kind of doing what you will. And they didn't even have any TNA in it. I mean, not really. They had some side boob, right? Which is awesome. <laughs> but otherwise, it's like, you know, even the first movie almost got away with completely, you know, no TNA. One of my friends was saying that the nudity felt justified in the first Terrifier movie. It wasn't just in there to create a shock value makes vengeance two better than vengeance one because you know vengeance one they were really trying to put the tna and the campy jokes in there over excessively you know in, in my opinion the second one you know cody didn't want to film a lot of that stuff he's just like you know let's just stick to story and stick with cool shots and they made a friday the 13th movie without you know without tna in it which is just great another another one i just i just you know i'm a father i have a 16 year old now but you know i've spent many years growing up where they're watching these movies you know there's you know i'll say it in america we are we cringe at sexual stuff on tv especially with our kids there next to us and it's, you know i've tried to work past it because i dated a european girl and i'm just like uh, you know it'd be cool to not shun against it but you, you just can't help it you know growing up around here having said that it's great when you could watch movies with your kids and not have to worry about that uncomfortableness you know to be able to sit there and enjoy the whole movie through like terrifier as gruesome as it was you know i still watch that with my kid and i keep getting messages from people saying they watched it with their kids you know i'm just like that that's cool i mean it's it's fucking crazy but it's cool you know because at least there's not that you know that stuff that we know separates adult movies from kid stuff you know there's a very fine line around here but these, uh, these horror movies lately, they kind of push that line to where you can, because I, I think Vengeance too. I'd be like, show your kids this movie. It's like absolutely phenomenal. And it's a lot of fun, you know? We, we talked about that a lot of the show. And Brian Brian said before that, you know, over here in the States, we're more concerned about the sexual, sexualization, uh, sexualization. Yeah, I got that word out, <laughs> as opposed to the violence. But then if you go across the pond, it's actually kind of opposite. You know, over there, sex is more open and free in cinema, but violence gets shut down pretty quick. Right. Or it's, I remember watching the original Friday the 13th with my oldest. They made love in the bunk. And it's kind of, it was kind of our first time experience watching something like that together with my, I think she was 10 or 11 year old daughter at that point. It gets done and I go, and they pan up and there's the dead body in the top bunk. And I go, well, that's how babies are made, except for the 
dead body in the top bunk. Yeah, right? you know? It's like it kind of relieves the tension, but not quite <laughs> enough. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, for me, for I've seen friends who have like showed Halloween to their kids. And it's just like, oh, I could show Halloween to my kid. But then as they're watching it, there's just like, oh, God, the sex scene where they're tumbling under the covers is like they don't even want them to see that. You know, it's suggestive enough, I guess. I, I see all manner of types. And yeah, some people not let their kids see that. But then if there's no sex at all, but tons of violence, it's totally cool. It's just weird. You know, it is what it is. I showed my 16 year old cannibal holocaust and greasy strangler and i mean when i talk to jack about things i say we're gonna watch this movie and a lot of people have issues with cannibal holocaust which i understand because there is some real um, animal murders in it but it is important in cinema it started you know the found footage thing that's still going on today so take all the stuff out of it that you find taboo and it's important that's all you need to know. It's important. Right. Definitely. Well, yeah, because I just, I don't feel about, you know, blocking anything off from my kid learning anything. I want her to be subjected to everything just to see it, you know, but yeah, talk about it. Just be like, okay, this is the ridiculous stuff, but this is the not so ridiculous stuff of it. People shouldn't panic about what their kids learn. They should just talk to them about it. Definitely. Throughout this wonderful conversation, our audience, I mean, we, we know you, we, we, we sat down and talked with you many times. But our audience who may not have heard from you have gotten to learn that you are a cosplayer, you are a, a makeup artist, you are a haunt actor, creature actor, you're a screen actor. I mean, you, you're multifaceted in what you're involved with. And so I got to ask, is there like a certain part of that that you gravitate more towards? Or are you just kind of, I want to be involved with as much of this genre as I can and see what comes? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not closed off in the genre itself i'm definitely not closed off do i want to stick in the genre definitely like i've met some film friends who who do film all the time but they have to make hallmark movies and i'm just thinking like i don't see that being fun at all it's like that seems like it'd just be work you know not fun yeah the fun and excitement for me it, it's definitely on the spookier side you know anything Gore effects are obviously, you know, it's, it's it's kind of my shtick. I just love that stuff. But, you know, it's not necessarily important in the genre because, you, you know, there's spooky ghost movies that are out that you can still consider part of this horror genre. Don't have any blood or violence in it at all. Just terror, you know, which I'm all for the terror movies, like movies with imagery so crazy that you swore it pulled, you know, they plucked it out of your nightmare. You know, that's mm -hmm. that's what I go for when I see movies. It's just like I want an image to be burned in my head of something terrible and terrifying. I keep saying I'd love to do film, but I don't, I don't know if I would just be able to go out and just do a regular ass film. I think I've been very lucky to have gotten to step foot in the film industry and have it being these type of movies, you know, horror movies, blood effects movies, you know, just fun stuff for me. That's never felt like I was working a day when I was doing that stuff. So I mean, it's really, yeah, just the, the haunt aspect, the horror aspect of things. Will I ever become a big Hollywood actor? Probably not, but because I prefer the other side of things. I prefer behind the scenes, definitely. Hard to say, because there's, you know, there's a bunch of great actors out there. There's is Jason Brooks. He just kills it as Jason. You know, I was, I was Jason for the longest time and, you know, in my world. And then I step out and meet Jason Brooks and just all these other cosplayers. And I'm just like, oh, there's just lots of people like me, but. To do it on film, to lock it in, I feel like it just does. It does take something a little special, especially for it to stay in people's memories forever. So is there anything next for you? 
you got anything else lined up or projects eyed or well as of as of today looking forward there's nothing promising you know except for next year's haunt season or conventions which you know that's totally cool you know i love that stuff and i meet the right kind of people doing that stuff i did get the opportunity to work with the camera crew from roseblood and vengeance and i got to be a makeup artist for an upcoming independent movie called rise of the crimson butcher Um, they just had a release on that not even a release i guess just a premiere Uh, now they're fishing it out seeing if they can get it sold to a distribution company to actually get it out. Because this was not, you know, a fan film of any sort. This was just an independent story. Someone wrote up and we got a crew together and we made it. And I took it upon myself to be, you know, the main makeup artist on this movie. And I I brought one person with me and that was... That was like the biggest mistake. Yes, I've worked on these other movies, but I was like, I was assisting other people for the most part. But then there was no one really assisting me. I went out there and it's like, holy crap, there's a lot to do. I went all the way out to Oklahoma. It's not like we live together or live around each other to get all this planned and get everything all set up. It's You know, it's hard to get things situated, you know, when you're living long distance like that. Plus, I was just going through some hella hard stuff, you know, in my personal life when I got selected to do that movie. So I went out there, I gave it my all. It was a fun movie. The actors are great. Acting was great. I, my own worst critic, I was watching it and I'm just like, uh, just grinding on not good of a job I did as a makeup artist. I'm not dissuaded. I would definitely love to keep trying it. You know, I want to learn more. I want to learn not only how to make it look good, but how to pull off the gag as well. Totally different ballpark, but it's a great ballpark. I'd love to play there. I have that movie coming out. Hopefully it'll be available for people to see You know, sometime. I absolutely have no data on it. Um, my buddy Chuck's movie, Valentine Bluffs, that'll mm-hmm. be coming out next year. Um, I'm a co-producer on that movie, and I, I had to become part of that because Chuck and I are really, really good friends, cosplay buddies for many years at the horror conventions. And it's just cool that we were just the dreamers, you know, the cosplayers just doing our thing. And we've able, we've been able to reach above and beyond to, you know, take it an extra step further. I think everyone in the cosplay world wants to actually you know, make it into the movies. You know, they want to play this character on screen. They want to be in a fan. <laughs> That's like the epitome of like what, why they do this or whatever. I'm really very lucky because all it was, yeah, I was just a cosplayer going to conventions, doing normal, you know, American thing. And I got selected and got swept up in this whirlwind, which is, yeah, just been absolutely phenomenal. I met some of the greatest people and hope to continue to meet some great people and more stuff comes along. I will be happy as hell. If it doesn't come along, then I'm forever grateful of the small bit of opportunity that I had. Definitely. It wasn't for nothing. That's for sure. It was all very special. And especially to me, it was very, very special. Well, and and you just brought up Chuck. And and I honestly believe that uh, people like you, people like Chuck are shining examples for fans who would love to take it a step up. I mean, both both of you guys, because of your cosplay, because of your networking, because of your time, you know, ability to take the time to just talk to people and get to know them. I mean, you have been able to attach yourself to these projects and it's fantastic. I mean, you know, not everybody who is a horror fan is going to make it the next step or the next level or whatever, but we all enjoy the same thing. So it's kind of like watching watching one of our own graduate and get to do some cool stuff. Yeah, definitely. You are an example. Thanks, man. Thank you. That's great. I can just see from talking to you. Our listeners can't see you, but your passion and your drive. People see that and they gravitate towards that. That's what brings you on. We can see your passion here for the community and the genre. And I would imagine that's what gets people to come be a part of this. Yeah, I I'm definitely know that's what brought me back. You know, I worked on 
you know, when I did Rosebud, it was like, okay, I'm not just here to act. What can I do? You know, I, I know a few things, but I'm not a freaking idiot and I can help you do this stuff, you know. So it, those fan films are the really skeleton crews, you know. You don't have assigned people for everything. You have who's available to do this. Can you do it? You know, we got to do it. Well, Brian, and you're right. Uh, Brent's passion shows when we were at Flashback and he was running around as Art, Art the Clown. In the back of my mind, I'm like, is this guy in the bathroom bumping rails or what? You know, what's going on? And I'm like, oh, no, no, he's just totally embodied this character and having a blast. Yeah, man, I don't even so much as drink when I get into character roles. Like other haunt actors, you know, they'll have a little bit to drink and I'll, I'll come across them drinking. I'll be like, oh, yeah, drinking. It's like that could probably be fun. But no, it's just it's. It's this weird passion and drive in me that almost seems me you know, that almost makes me seem like a freaking crackhead, but uh, <laughs> it's, just, it's just natural and love of life and love of what I'm doing. Definitely. And anyone who worked with me on these movies got to see that and they definitely appreciated it to where, yeah, I kept having to come back and yeah, I'm just, I'm just grateful, man. Hey, well, Brent, um, on behalf of ourselves and our audience, we want to thank you for you know taking the time to sit down and talk to us. Tell us about your experiences, what you've done, how you got there, where you're going. Uh, we cannot wait to see what is in store for you down the road. We can't wait to see you down the road. And again, we just appreciate your time. Indeed, you guys. I love you guys' show. I'm very happy to be here with you. And it's not even, like I said, it's not even about getting my name out there or anything. I just wanted to be here to talk to you guys. And it's been been a blast. Well, now that we popped your cherry like this, we'll have you on the show to, you know, kind of discuss why we're poor and all that great stuff, you know. Yeah, man. On like, a normal I, I episode sometimes. Show and I want to I wanna chime in all the time. And I'm just like, dick it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's the cool part about this experience. Everybody, we have uh, Brent Edgett on the show here. We're fans of his. He's fans of ours. We're all fans of each other. And speaking of fans, we're also fans of our podcast network. So let's listen from them. Hear from them. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. So now that we've heard from our podcast network, the PFPN, looks like we have a question. So this episode's question is from Tiffany, who's a listener in Galesburg, Illinois, and a friend of the show, or maybe not a friend of the show. She puts up with the show. How's that sound? She wanted to know, what's the best fan film we've ever watched? So what do you guys think? It's a good question. Um, God, I watch so many. I watch some of them and then kind of forget them. Of course, I know about the, you know, Vengeance and Roseblood and Never Walk Alone. Or Never Hike Alone. Don't Hike Alone. I don't know. I don't really have one. I'm just kind of naming them right now. <laughs> I, I've watched a few. I enjoy the fan films. I like what everybody puts into them. Just, I mean, to continue the love of it. I honestly, I don't have a favorite one. I just watch some in general kind of a lame answer sorry but what about you guys do you guys actually have a favorite it's it's not a lame answer because i tell you what all these fan films bring different things 
to the table. You know what I mean? It, it is really hard to choose one because they're all kind of quirky in their own ways, but they're from fans, for fans, by fans. So there's all cool stuff like um and, and Vengeance too. Just just as just an example, uh, Friday the Thirteenth fan film, Vengeance Two Bloodlines. Um, Tamara Glenn is in it, and there's a, a fun little scene with a quick little line where they're in the woods, and she's there with Darcy DeMoss and um, from Friday the Thirteenth Part Six, and you know there's a few women in the woods running away from Jason. They're trying to explain to Tamara Glenn's character who Jason Voorhees is, and she says, "I don't know anything about that. I'm not from here. I'm from Haddonfield, Illinois." You know, so it just I know it's, <laughs> it's a weird little example, but I mean, all these different fan films bring. A lot of great stuff, so it is hard to choose a favorite. They're all they're all great in their own way. I think she just said, "I'm from Haddonfield." She didn't say Illinois, so I was like, "Is it Haddonfield, New Jersey?" Right, is where. Oh yeah, that's right. Because they were in New Jersey, so I was like, "Are they playing off of Haddonfield, New Jersey, or Haddonfield, Illinois, where Michael Myers is from?" I mean, it had to have been a college. In the ho- I mean, she was in Halloween. Deborah, what's Deborah's last name? Hill, right? Yeah, Deborah Hill. Was from Haddonfield, New Jersey, and that's why they used it for Illinois. Yeah, so, so I kind of, of course, my brain starts going, and I'm like, fan films like The Fan or Misery. That's a fan film. She was a huge fan of that guy. <laughs> but then I was like, okay, calm down. Like, let's be logical here. And what she really wanted to know is our favorite fan film. You know, because we talk about Valentine Bluffs a lot, which is a fan film that's coming out next year that we all have supported and can't wait to see. But I go back, and it is Christmas time, or it will be when this episode comes out. And there's a fan film called It's Me, Billy, which is a shout off of black christmas that i really enjoyed so i don't know if you guys have seen that one i by clint's clapping i gather he's seen it but yeah it's i enjoyed that one and they kind of left it open for more they did so they did i love that fan film and i think one of the reasons i do love that fan film is it doesn't treat itself as a fan film if that makes sense it treats itself more as an unofficial sequel um where a lot of these fan films which again they, they bring that fun fan element I like that example I talked about with Tamara Glenn, which is fun for a fan to watch. And you're like, oh, yeah, you know, but I do like ones that take themselves a little more seriously sometimes like like that and treat themselves as a sequel. That was a great, great movie. What about you, Clint? What's your favorite? I didn't take it, did I? No, I I honestly I had forgotten about that, which I can't imagine why, because I love that movie and it's Christmas time. But, you know, it's uh, it's kind of hard because I also think that there are a lot of established um, studio films that, in my opinion, are fan films. Um, I've gotten in this discussion before, and I always bring up Friday the 13th Part 6. In my opinion, Friday the 13th Part 6 was technically a fan film. And a lot of hallmarks of fan films are, you see, like in Friday the 13th Part 6, the general store is named Carlos General Store. Or uh, I could be screwing this up, but they were on a road, and it was like Cunningham Way. All these little like callbacks to parts of the franchise um I'll, I'll quit rambling my favorite fan film up to this point is one i haven't even seen yet and that's valentine bluffs a fan film it's hard for for that not to be my favorite even though i haven't seen it just because i was uh, heavily invested in it and continue to be uh, very excited for this fan film which again i believe is going to have the tone of like the black christmas one of more of an unofficial sequel as opposed to a callback fan film. Excited to see it. It comes out February 14th, Valentine's Day, 2023. 
I kind of felt like Mick Foley right there in the ring, where he's like, and I'm right here in Detroit, Michigan, and throws his thumb up, you know, and the crowd cheers. So now that we've answered our question, what are we up to? Got anything coming up, Jason? Uh, nope, nothing still for me. Holiday season. I'm, I'm excited to get through that and not trying to rush it, I guess. Move on to the next year, get back to convention season, <laughs> trying to really jump ahead. Nope, nothing for me, just family stuff. And that's, I, I'm really looking forward to it anyway. What about you guys? Anything fun? Uh, Disney on ice. How's that sound? That sound horrific enough for you? I caught I caught Disney on ice. It was a few years back in Detroit. The kids were, were young and we went and I remember it being a decent time. It was a good show. Of course, I also remember bring your bring your wallet and make sure that it's padded because they had when I went anyway, vendors walking up and down the aisles selling this and selling that and it was all the bright shiny object your kid could not turn down and it was all like a thousand dollars a piece. And so I think Disney on ice and Tiffany and I got a date night lined up for a horror Christmas movie that's coming out. So that'll be fun. Yeah, other than that, nothing really. Enjoying some movies, catching up on some stuff that I need to watch. All Christmas stuff. Disney on Ice, Christmas movie at the theater, Christmas stuff around town. But yeah, nothing really horror related. My wallet after Christmas, that's horror related, right? How empty it is. What about you, Clint? Anything? I'm going to kind of sound like a broken record, but I mean, yeah, this is just uh, the peak time of my day job. So I work a ton of extra hours. So that's pretty prevalent in my life right now. Let's see the day before this episode airs. I'm going to try to make it over to Celine, Michigan. There is a, a pop-up event going on there called Halfway to Halloween Takes Over Christmas. I was at the Halfway to Halloween event, uh, Halfway to Halloween event vending last May with inkmirrors.com. Um, I'm not vending this time. Um, I kind of kicked myself for not doing it, but I made a promise. But I still think I'm going to hop over there for a little bit. Our friends at Ted Marvelous Custom Gumball Emporium are going to be there. going to stop by, hang out with them, and check out some cool stuff, see if there's some uh, Christmas gifts that I might be able to pick up for people. Also, between now and the next recording, I need to get to the movie theater, and I'm going to check out Violent Night, which I think comes out this coming friday was it december 2nd right yeah so i'm going to be checking that out sometime here soon i want to see santa assassin you know obviously i'm kind of more prone for like silent that deadly night you know crazed killer santa where this violent night kind of looks like santa's like a trained navy seal marine ninja <laughs> i don't know but yeah i want to check it out yeah and just plugging along with these uh these knockoff novelty toys man it, it's like it's a drug. I've got so many lined up. So it's at the point where I'm at my print shop two, three times a week because I'll get something printed up and then I'll, another idea will hit me on the way home. I'm like, oh, let's do this. You know, so we're uh, very much on a first name basis at the print shop, you know. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Putting stuff into the show and fostering relationships. And well, now that you know what we're up to or not up to, Clint's the only one doing anything. It seems like rubbing his hands together. He looks like he's getting ready to do some work now. I am. Um, he's always working. I don't think he sits still long enough. This is probably the longest you sit still, like every two weeks, is to record the podcast. And that's only because I can't play with my drumsticks because of the noise, and my chair is old and makes a lot of noise when I move, so I try to go and just sit still like a statue. <laughs> and it's really hard. Well, now that you know what we're not up to, don't forget to check out the I Like It Spooky Horror Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our YouTube channel. Hope you guys have a good holidays. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, real quick, we want to say thank you again to our guest, Brent Edgett, for being on the show. 
And uh, if you guys get a chance, hop on Instagram and check out his handle, which is at Gore Galore. And uh, you get to check in with Brent and see all the cool stuff that we were talking about. Till next time. <laughs>